Good morning. My name is uh, Pastor Chris. I'm glad that you're here. If this is your first time, I just want to uh, welcome you. Um, we just believe that God's just doing some incredible uh, things here. 2020 was a year that stunk. Right? I, I can remember 2020, January, February, we always, we, as a staff, we always spent some time just like in preparation for the next year. And so we kind of walked into January and February and man, we were just so excited about what God was about to do and what God was doing in the life of the church. We had been in this building for three months. We had been in this building for three months. We moved in on Sunday, October the 20th, and began to have a ministry and began just to see God do incredible things just in a, just in a few short uh, months. And, and we went away in, in, in March. We went away in March. We went down to Florida. And, and while we were down there, Michael had to go to the hospital. That, that was the right. Michael had to go to the hospital and lost his voice. And it was just, it was just, we were like, what is God doing? And then all of a sudden, boom, COVID hits. We're like, what is going on? Right? 2020, I mean, I, I think I probably went into that year probably with the most expectation I've ever had about what God wanted to do in the, in the life of the church and through us. And we're like, God, what are you doing? We can't even have church. Like there's, we can't even put people. So then we're, we spend like six, eight weeks trying to figure things out, right? COVID led us to this place where we just got to figure things out. Probably the majority of us thought the world is coming to an end, right? Jesus is coming back and we better all be ready. It's probably like one of those moments like you're, you're almost afraid to be in your house next to the person that you live with. It's like, man, I'm scared. Of, do you have something, right? Where have you been? Did you go to the grocery store? Did you walk down the right aisle, right? Arrows, follow the arrows. Did you wear a mask? All these things that seem just really crazy. And I can remember walking that time just with this expectation and anticipation of what God's going to do. And then it was almost like, boom, it just shut down. And then on top of that, on top of that, March, I started kind of feeling bad. We came back. I started kind of feeling bad, not really sure why I was feeling bad. One day I was not feeling all that great. And so I'm like, well, probably the best thing for me to do is to go out and go for a run because that'll make me feel better, right? So I go out and I go for like a three, four mile run. I come back, man, I'm feeling great, feeling really good. I sit down and all of a sudden I'm not feeling good anymore. I'm like, what is going on? And Ashley's like, you got to go to the doctor. I'm like, there's COVID. Nobody wants to go to the doctor during COVID. Nobody wants to show up where people are going. And so I, I call the doctor. I go in there and they put this little, they, I walk in there and, and the, the lady's like feeling my pulse. And she's like, uh, is your pulse normally like 30? I'm like, I don't know, maybe. I, I, I don't walk around taking my pulse. Right? I don't, I don't, I mean, I said, I, I, I mean, I exercise, you know, I think I've always had a little bit of a low heart rate, but I don't know, 30, right? I don't know. And, and so the, they come in, she's like, well, we're going to put an EKG on you just to see what, I'm like, what's going on? And they come in and then, then the doctor comes in and he's like looking at me, he says a couple things, he says kind of the same thing, is your pulse normally low? And I'm not, I don't know, I don't keep up with it. You know, let me look on my watch and they'll tell you. 
And, and so then he goes out to the hallway and I hear him on the phone and he's like, hey, this guy's going to have to have a pacemaker. I'm like, what the? <laughs> Sorry, put that word back in my mouth. I'm like, what? Like, and, and then the, now I'm, I'm in, sitting in here, sitting on this table. Now I'm really starting to freak out, right? I'm like, God, what are you doing? Because this doesn't make sense. And so he comes back in. He's like, okay, hey, um, he's like, I need you to go right over to, to Wilmy, uh, to the uh, heart, over to this heart doctor. I've called him and you need to go get in your car and you need to leave now and go over there. I'm like, what? <laughs> Like right now? Like, yeah. He's like, don't, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go right to the heart doctor. I'm like, what? So I, I, I walk out there, you know, and I call Ashley and I'm like, I'm like, they're sending me right to the heart doctor. Like right now. She's like, okay, I'll meet you there. I'm like, well, what good does that do? Cause you got to sit out in the car. <laughs> you can't even go in with me. And so I get there, I go walking in, they're like, oh yeah, Dr. Patel, he's waiting on you. I go right back there and he's like, well, you know, you must just have an electrical problem. What does that mean? What do you mean I got an electrical problem? And he's like, well, we're going to put this heart monitor on you. We'll monitor to you, monitor you for a couple of days and we'll just kind of see. So they put this heart monitor on me, you know, they, take, they send, me, send me home. And, I, you know, obviously everybody's at home at this point, you know, a couple of days go by and I'm still not feeling good. This one night I called call the doctor and I said, hey, man, I'm still not feeling good. And he goes to look at the heart monitor. And he's like, yeah, you're probably not feeling good because the heart monitor's gone down to 27 beats a minute. He's like, you probably should go to the hospital in the morning. I'm like, in the morning? <laughs> what if I die tonight? 27 doesn't sound right, <laughs> right? Maybe I should go run all night long so that my heart stays up and then go to the doctor. And so, you know, go, I, go, I go, I'm like, and nobody wants, he's like, I need you to go to the hospital. I don't want to go to the hospital. Who wants to go to the hospital? It's the middle of COVID. And so I go walking in, it's like a ghost town, nobody there, nobody. I'm like, I saw the one person sitting behind the desk. I'm like, where's everybody out? Oh, there ain't nobody here. What do you mean there's nobody here? And so I go in, I check in, they, this other guy rolls this wheelchair up, sticks me out. I'm 47 years old. Like, I don't need a wheelchair. He's like, no, nah, I need you to sit down, sir. He rolls me up there. I go, right, like nobody's there. They roll, they roll me in, they get, get me all ready. They're rolling me down into this, into this room. And all of a sudden, then I see Ashley. She snuck in the back door. She, she, happened to, she happened to know one of the ladies that was kind of assisting the doctor with, with the procedure and, and uh, called her. She's like, yeah, we'll sneak you in the back door. I got to see Ashley right before because I thought I was dying. Right? Literally. I wasn't sure what was going on. I was like, I might not come out of this. Like, I, I mean, I realize that sometimes your mind goes to extremes, right? And so it was in that moment that I'm trying to figure out what is going on because life just didn't make sense. And I, th I think there's a lot of times in life when things just don't, they don't make sense. Let's be honest. Faith is hard. Right? Faith, faith is hard. Believing in something you cannot see. Believing in something that you believe that God wants to do. January 2020, man, God's going to do some incredible things. Boop, shut down. Not sure what's happening. I'm like, are we going to even have a church after this? 
right? Like we just built this brand new building and God, is church even going to exist after COVID is over? Are we ever going to be able to get back together? You got all these things that are running through your brain and through your mind. Like what is going on because life just doesn't make sense. You see, what it takes to believe that God wants to do something we cannot see can be hard at times. And so often, God's plan doesn't make sense. So often, God's plan doesn't make sense. As Isaiah says, says, his ways are not our ways. Isaiah chapter 55, his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so we realize that what we have to be able to to walk through life and do, and we've been learning this over the past few weeks. We looked at, we looked at the, the story of Jericho a few weeks ago, and then we looked at the story of Ai just last week. And this week we're getting into Judges chapter 7 where we're looking at the, the, battle, uh, the battle between Gideon and the Midianites. And, and these are just some of the battles that I chose that I felt like would be important for us to walk through as we, you, you see what's happening is, I believe that something's building in the life of our church. Amen. There's something that's building in, 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 the, in the atmosphere of the church and what God's wanting to do. And this is just, we're just touching the tip of the iceberg. And I believe what God was doing in 2020 is what we believe that God was doing in 2020 is now beginning to be a harvest of what God's been doing for these last three years. And so it's this building of our faith this morning. And so my challenge for you this morning is to believe in something that you cannot see or to believe in something that you're just not sure what God's doing, whether the situation that you're in right now or whether the situation that you've come through or whether the situation that you're about to walk into is to be able to step into it with faith, believing that God wants to do something that you cannot see. Did you know that rhinos... Rhinoceroses, I. Rhinos, rhinoceri, however you say it. I failed English. My English teacher just let me out of the class because she didn't want me there anymore. She passed me. She liked me. Her name was Miss Ean. She liked me. She just knew I was never going to survive. She's like, I don't want this dude coming back in my class. And, and, and so... And I'm a professional communicator, y'all. I mean, come on. <laughs> professional lightly, right? Professional lightly. And, and so, did you know that a rhinoceros can run actually a little faster than a squirrel? No, I'm serious. At its top speed, a squirrel runs about 25 to 30 miles an hour, and a rhinoceros at its top speed actually runs almost 30 miles an hour. Now, obviously, there's a big difference between a squirrel running 30 miles an hour and a rhinoceros running 30 miles an hour. Did anybody know, did anybody know that statistic? <laughs> Boris. Boris knew it. You the man. That's what I'm talking about. Stay in school. All right. 
And, and so, so if you were to put them side by side and you were to get them running, a rhinoceros is actually going to, in some form or fashion, going to outrun the squirrel. The difference is, is that a squirrel can turn a lot faster than a rhinoceros. But did you also know that a rhinoceros can only see 30 feet in front of its face? And so if a rhinoceros gets to running at 30 miles an hour, whatever is on the other side better watch the heck out. But in reality, that's what God asked us to do, to have the faith of a rhinoceros, to run, to walk, to to live as fast as we possibly can in faith trusting what's on the other side. And what's even more encouraging to us is that, just listen, what if the church did that together? What if the faith of a church was willing to be like a rhinoceros that got itself going so quickly that we weren't worried about what was on the other side? We were running in faith, we were running in obedience, and whatever's on the other side better watch the heck out because we're here to run over the enemy because he's doing everything he can to destroy the church. He's doing everything. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But he says, Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. And so living with faith is what we're called to. So let's talk about that through the eyes and through the avenue of Judges chapter 7. We're looking at that. That's where you find Gideon. There's a whole lot that's happened up until this point. So I'm going to do everything I possibly can to help you get to this point. So we've had Moses who've led the Israelites. God called him up out of Pharaoh's family, right? Moses was put into the river, goes downstream. Pharaoh's family finds him. He ends up becoming the leader of the Israelites who leads them out of slavery. Moses then dies. Joshua, as we talked about last week, becomes the leader of the Israelites. Now Joshua has led them into, into and through some battles. Now Joshua has died. And now we're in a period of time where God uses what's called the judges to lead people, lead the Israelites. There are more than one judge, but God is using judges as military, as administrative, and even as spiritual leaders for the Israelites in this time. And so that's where we kind of land in Judges chapter 7, where Gideon is now leading the Israelites against the Midianite army. In Judges chapter 7, it says this, early in the morning, Jerubabel, That is Gideon and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moriah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. Hear that? He said, hey, hey, Gideon, by the way, buddy, you got too many guys. This is one of those like military, you know, opportunities that we see that are very contrary to what we believe that a military would do. Okay, so the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men, I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. 
My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone, tr anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So, <laughs> listen to this. So 22,000 men left. He only had 32,000. And he was going up against the Midianites who had 135,000 in their army. And so they had 32,000. He says, God comes and says, hey, buddy, you got too many. We got we to whittle those down. And 22,000 walk away. Can you imagine being Gideon in this moment? But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still, <laughs> come on, guys, like, really? Like pacemaker in the middle of 2020? But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them, down to the take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from a cupped hands lapping like a dog. And all the rest got down on their knees to drink. So the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So now, not only have they lost 22,000, but now they have lost a lot more, and now they've windled it down to 300 left that are to go against 135,000 soldiers in the army of the Midianites. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now put yourself in this for just a moment. Put yourself in this scenario. scenario. In, 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 in your mind, put yourself in Gideon's place, man. It just doesn't make sense. Things just don't add up. You're like, okay, God, I had 32,000, which was still a lot less than the 135,000 that the Midianites have. And now you've dwindled them down to like 10,000. Then you've taken them and you dwindled them down to 300. And now we're taking 300 men and we're going against 135,000 men. And, and the way that you decided was the first group of guys that you took out, they were just scared. They were afraid. Like, why are you in the army? Why are you even in the army if you're scared? And so 22,000 walk away and now they go down to drink and, and God be, begins to, to, to sort them out by the way that they drink. Because what God saw in the ones who drank cup hand is he saw ones that stayed focused on the mission. They stood focused on the one. And that's what God was looking for. He, is, he was looking for soldiers who were focused on what God had in store and in front of them. And so I want to give you some thoughts as it pertains to this passage that kind of applied to us growing in our faith and going in our faith and, and trusting God when things just don't make sense. The first thing is this, is that God can do a lot with a little. He can do a lot with a little. Uh, I actually started this point by saying sometimes God reduces your army. Yes. 
Sometimes he reduces your army. I was a little afraid to say it that way. Of course, I just said it that way. But anyway, because I think sometimes what we do is the people that surround us sometimes aren't necessarily on our side. And so God reduces the number of the people that are on our side to help us accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And those are the people that help us stay focused. There are people in your life that sometimes don't help you stay focused. And so I would say is also that not only does he reduce the size of the army, but we have to realize that God wants to do a lot with just a little. And I had to really, really, I had to really, really come to, to really believe that over the course of the last 15 years as God woke me up in the night, said, move to Wilmington and plant, Wilmington and plant a church. I just wasn't sure that that's what God was I'm like, God, what are you doing? You, you don't know me. I barely made it through school. I barely made it through college. I, I had the hardest time with studying. I'm not sure you got the right person. All I've been doing is leading a bunch of teenagers for the last couple of years, and I'm just not sure you're making the right decision on leading me to Wilmington. Maybe it was something that I ate the night before. That pizza just didn't set well. And so coming to this place where I had to really trust God when it just didn't, in my mind, it just didn't make sense. But God still wanted to do a lot with a little. God wanted to do a lot with a little. You see, because when we see small, God sees big. When we see something small, God sees something big. On the other side of that, when, when we see big, God sees small, right? When we see, when we see the army, I didn't actually write that down, but when we see the army in front of us, we see the army in front of us that looks big, God's like, what? Like, why are you worried about them? Why are you worried about what's on the other side of that? What you have to do is you have to walk in faith and you have to trust me because what I can do through you and if you'll just walk in obedience is so much more than what you see in front of you. That's why I believe it's really important in the battle to actually give him praise because then it takes your focus and it puts it on the right thing and it takes your mind off what the enemy's trying to tell you. And so God takes the little and he does a lot with it. When we see weakness, God sees strength. When we see weakness, God sees strength. You see, I think it's one of the things I said from the very beginning of this series was this, was that faith is required. It's essential in every single battle that we're going to face. So whatever battle it is that you're walking through right now, whether it's financial or whether it's through relationships or whether it's physical or whatever it may be at work, what you have to realize is that faith is going to be essential to helping you walk through the battle and then surrounding yourself with the right people from the right army who are focused on the right things because what God wants to do is he wants to take a little and he wants to do something great he wants to do a lot with just a little the second thing I see in this is that God's plans are always for his glory they're always for his glory that even though they don't make sense to us right why should we worry about tomorrow 
when tomorrow can worry about itself? Why do we worry about where food comes from and where clothes from come from? And why do we worry about the things that we have no control over? Why do we worry when God says, hey, I take care of the lilies of the field. I take care of these things. Do you not know that I love you that much that I'm willing to take care of you as well? But so many times in our walk of faith. We believe God's not making sense. He's not doing what we believe that he should be doing. And so we try and attempt to do things our way. We try and structure things the way that we think that we should be doing them instead of going to God and saying, God, how do you want me to fight this battle? You see, because what God does in all of life, regardless of situations, whether they make sense to us or not, is that his purpose will be accomplished and he will get the glory. And so what we do is we do things a little different than what the world does them. Instead of trying to control things ourselves, we say, God, whatever this situation, whatever this means for me, I want you to get the glory. And so this journey with a pacemaker has been incredibly challenging to my faith. I started having, many of you know, I started having anxiety after that. Thinking, man, is my, is my heart going to stop at some point? And I can remember laying in bed one night thinking, Chris, you got to stop worrying. You got to stop, you got to stop thinking about death and you have to start living because every day that you're given is an opportunity. You know that your days are already numbered. And the enemy can't steal those days from you. Your health can't steal those days from you. Your friend can't steal those days from you. Your family member can't steal those days from you. That God has ordained your days and he already knows the end. And so we have to choose in every single moment to walk in faith and give him the glory even when it gets difficult and hard. There's not a single Bible character that we look at that didn't navigate difficult things. Can you imagine being Noah and God saying, coming to Noah and say, hey, Noah, hey, buddy, I just want you to build a boat. Like, I know there's not been any rain, and there's not any body of water that's even close by, but I want you to build this boat. I don't just want you to build a, a little John boat. I want you to build a big boat. And I want you to build a boat so big that you, we can put a bunch of animals in it, and you take your whole family, and you can put them in there. And when I, once you get done after 125 years of building... I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine being like 25 or 30, 40, 100 days into building this boat and you're like, what am I doing? Not only that, now can you imagine being 100 days into building this boat and people are coming by saying, what are you doing, Noah? Man, we don't even have any, there's no water around here. We haven't had rain in forever. What are you doing? And Noah just keeps going. He keeps taking the hammer and he keeps putting a nail in and putting this boat together. And at the appropriate time, when God was ready, he said, okay, get the animals in, get your family in, because now I'm getting ready to flood the earth. 
Not a single one of the, of the people who followed, followed God or followed Jesus in, those, in, in the New Testament had it easy. It was challenging and it required faith. And that was the essential for them. And the interesting part is, we just get the highlight reels of the Bible. You realize that, right? There's so much more to what God has done over the course of, of since, he, he, since He created the world that the majority of it we don't even know. We just get the Facebook highlights. And so God's plan is always to, for His glory. God uses those who are committed to His glory. Let me say that again. God uses those who are committed to His glory. Right? What was it Paul said? I must become less so he can become greater. And what I love about what God did was he eliminated the doubters and the distracted. Right? He, did, he, he, he eliminated them. And because of their doubt and because they were distracted, they actually missed out on seeing God do what he did. But here's what I love, a couple more things. God didn't send Gideon alone. He, got, he said, okay, I love the way God kind of phrased it. He said, if you're afraid, as if Gideon was afraid, and they're probably, let's be honest, when we do things that just don't make sense, there has to be some little bit of fear in us. Like, uh, uh, is God going to come through with this one? And so he says, hey, if you're afraid, then go down, get Pura, that was, that was one of Gideon's servants. He said, go down, get Pura, and I want you and Pura to go down, and I want you to spy on what's, what's going on in the Midianite camp. And that's what I love is that God didn't send Gideon alone. Now, sometimes I believe God does send you alone. Sometimes he asks you to do things, and everybody around you says, do what? Like, you must be foolish. You must be crazy. But I, I believe that probably in most situations, there is a person who still is willing to say, I believe in what God is doing. I trust you, and I'm going to walk that journey with you. And I believe that we should all have that person or people that when we come up, they may think we're crazy, but they're willing to walk the journey. I believe that of my staff. Because they know how crazy I am. They've walked with me for so many years. But I believe they've come to a place where together we want to make an impact for the glory of God in Leland, North Carolina. At all cost. Ephesians 4, 9. You see, because the impact is bigger when we're together. When we do it together, the impact is bigger. Ephesians 4, 9 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And the last thought is this. Following God's will and, call, following God's will and his calling requires us to do hard things, right? We don't, God just doesn't say, hey, hey, Chris, um, you just go sit on the couch. 
and, and I'll take care of the rest. Now, I, I know that most of you believe that as a pastor, I only work on Sunday mornings. Right? I get that all the time. And to be honest with you, I don't like the joke. <laughs> Just being honest. Right? I, I get that you're joking, but there's so much more, there's so much more to the pastoring side of things. There, I know there's so much more to what you do. But what God calls us to do, it always requires his will and his calling is always to do the hard things. You're like, where'd you get that? So what God did was he went to Gideon and he said, Gideon, now I want you to go down and I want you to spy on the Midianites. And so that was one of the hard things that was difficult for Gideon, but he did it anyway because he wasn't sure how these things were going to turn out. Not only had God already been reducing the size of his army, but now he says, hey, I want you to take Pura, I want you to go down. I want you to spy. And when he heard what the Midianites were saying, it was a confirmation that God, that they were supposed to attack the Midianites. And so what, what I believe that that says to us this morning is not only does God require the hard things, but we have to stay focused on what's important. We have to stay focused on what's important because so many times we like to take a little bit of a side road and do our own thing. And God says, no, this is what I want you to do. And so stay focused on what it is that God wants you to do. But God doesn't ask you just to sit on your couch. There's always hard things that are required and walking in faith. Now let's look at Judges 7, verse 16. So, so Gideon began to organize a man. It said, divide, verse 16, dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. He said, watch me. He told them, follow, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. I found that really interesting because I believe in that moment, obviously God was honoring the Lord, but he was also saying to the people, I believe what he was saying is, hey, you can trust my leadership. It wasn't, Gideon wasn't saying that because he wanted the glory. He was saying that because I believe he, he believed that the people could trust his leadership because he did the hard things. Gideon and the, and the, the hundred men with him reached the edge because he sent a hundred one way, a hundred another way, and then a hundred, he actually divided them. It says Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp, and at the beginning of the middle, at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke their jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, "A sword for the Lord and for Gideon." While each man held his position around the camp, all the, listen to this, listen, all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. 
And when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. <laughs> so they shouted. They were, again, they were just being obedient to the things that God told them to do. There was only, a th- there was only 300 of them. There was 135,000 Midianites. They, they, much like what they did when they circled the walls of Jericho, the Israelites circled the walls of Jericho. All they did was blow their trumpets and broke their jars, and all the Midianites started fighting each other. Now, you tell me that God wasn't in that. While each man held his position around the camp and all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Bethshida toward Zerah as far as the border of Abel Mahalah near Tabath. Now what I love is that if you read that story you probably will say, that just doesn't make sense. But all throughout this story, much like many battles that we see, we hear, we've heard stories from Scripture, we see that the way God does things is not always the way we do things. And the only thing that He asks of us is to trust Him and to walk in faith. You see, we walk in faith and we leave the results of our life up to God. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you're going to wear. God knows exactly what you need and at that moment when you need it, God will show up. My question is this morning to you, and the challenge is, are you going to walk in faith? When the battle gets hard and God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense, are you going to walk in faith? Are you going to trust Him? You're like, Pastor Chris, I'm too old. No, you're not. Pastor Chris, I'm too young. Got too much of life in front of me. No, you're not. Pastor Chris, I'm middle age. (laughs) Whatever that means. (laughs) Doesn't matter. That at every stage of life, we can either walk in our own knowledge and information, or we can walk in faith, trusting that whatever God has on the other side, Some of you are here this morning and maybe you've never given your life to Christ and maybe your step of faith is just to say yes to Him. Maybe your battle is just really complicated right now. And maybe your first step is just to praise Him in the midst of your battle. It's to give Him glory and to give Him honor. You don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you're going to give Him glory and you're going to give Him honor. Will you stand with me and let's close our eyes for just a moment. What is it that God is speaking into you?
have you lost sight of the fact that maybe you haven't trusted God with your gifts and your abilities that the enemy has made you feel less than significant maybe you haven't trusted God financially and God wants to take a little and he wants to do a lot Maybe you haven't trusted him with your kids or with your spouse. You haven't trusted him with your marriage. You haven't trusted him with your work. And what if it is that God's asking you to do the hard thing and you're just not sure what's on the other side of it, but all he asks you to do is to step in faith because he says, don't worry about tomorrow. God, I pray that right now there would just be the settling of your spirit. I can only imagine that Gideon, when he looked at the army of 130,000, 135,000 people, he thought, man, this is way too big. And then God says, hey, hey, Gideon, man, you need to reduce the size of your army. And I can only imagine feeling overwhelmed in that moment. But Gideon, having the faith to say that, I know that my God will come through. But even if he doesn't, I'll still honor him. I'll still give him glory. I'll still trust him. We're going to sing a song called Christ Be Magnified. And maybe you want to commit that to the Lord this morning. Maybe you want to continue just to praise Him in the battle during this time. Maybe you want to, maybe you want to come down front and you want to surrender to Him what is in front of you that you don't know. Maybe there is a hard thing that you know that you've got to do and you're just not sure and you want to surrender that in this moment. And maybe your step of faith is just stepping out and coming forward to say to God right now, not to these people that you're sitting around, but to say to God, see, this is a moment where it's just you and God. Although there's a bunch of other people in the room, this is just you and God. And it doesn't matter what other people are saying. It doesn't matter what they're thinking and who gives a rip. This is for God. This is between you and Him. You want God to increase your faith. And maybe the hard thing to do, like He told Gideon, hey, I just want you to go down. I want you to, I want you to listen, spy on the Midianites. God wants you to step out. He wants you to come down. And He wants you to trust Him. God, we give you this moment. Would you help us to surrender to you anything and everything that we may need to? For that person that's worrying, surrender it to the Lord. May Christ be magnified.